to live prayer. I am Bill Keller. Good to be with you on this Wednesday evening. Pray you had a wonderful day. It's good to be back together with you once again. If you're new to the program, you are watching live prayer. We come to you live in living color every Monday through Friday, 11 to midnight Eastern Standard Time, wherever you watch me throughout this great land of ours tonight, from sea to shining sea, from a fascist border up north to zero border down south. Thank you for tuning in. Friends and other far-off great lands, welcome to you as well. Once again, I'm Bill Keller, founder of LivePrayer.com, world's largest interactive Christian website, reach a little over two and a half million folks each and every day via the internet. Please check us out online. Web address coming up on your screen, LivePrayer.com, LivePrayer.com. So I pray you had a wonderful day today. It's good to be back together with you again as we are in the middle of this week. We've got a lot of interesting World Economic Forum Davos news for you tonight. And again, this is something that we are required to pay attention to once a year, actually throughout the year, but definitely the one week a year when they uh, all meet together in Davos, Switzerland, because these are the global elites. These are the uh, world's billionaires that are literally trying to run the world. These are the, this is the engine behind the globalist movement. And as you know, not only in this country, but throughout this world, countries are in this classic fight, this uh, really fight for who they are as the globalists are fighting with the nationalists and I have to admit, in uh, the last year or so, we've seen a lot of nationalist victories around the world uh, in some of the Scandinavian countries, in Italy, down in Argentina, a classic communist socialist uh, country for so long. And of course, we will have that classic struggle decided here in our country this coming November. Four things I ask you to do for me each and every program. First, pray for me and the program. That means more than you know. Second of all, share the daily devotion with people you uh, know. It's uh, the main ministry tool here at Live Prayer. Uh, like everything, it's free. It'll be in the email every morning. Great way to stay plugged into the Lord. Just tell them to go to my homepage, liveprayer.com. Click on the upper right-hand corner. There's a sign-up link, a couple pieces of basic information and uh, they'll be good to go. Third, of course, is please continue to tell people about this TV program. Uh, we basically share with you more information in a night than most programs you watch are going to give you in a week. Um, and uh, it's important that we stay informed, especially in this critical year of 2024. So encourage the people you know to to watch the program. Last of all, of course, if this ministry has been a blessing to you, please pray about supporting us. Uh, we don't sell merchandise. We're not in the book business. We're not in the tour guide business. We're in the ministry business. And we've walked by faith for 30 years now, going on 25 years online. 
this coming March, I'll be 21 years on TV. And that's only been possible because of the love, prayers, and generous sacrifices of friends like you. And as we are working our way through 2024, I know it's going to be a difficult year. And I am asking you to please pray about uh, supporting live prayer throughout this year. Again, upper right-hand corner of my homepage is a donation link. Gives you our address in St. Petersburg, Florida, as well as a link to our credit card portal if that's more convenient. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this wonderful day, a day unique unto itself. Like none other before, there will be none other like it again. I thank you for my friends who are with me tonight. I lift them up, their families. I pray for their every need to be met for your glory. We appreciate so much this wonderful day that wasn't promised to us, the blessings that you have bestowed upon us throughout this day. And Lord, now we come together for this hour, dedicating it to you, asking that you have your way with us. Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds tonight. And we thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's, uh, you know what, let's just, what do I want to start here? Let's start with Davos. Let's get Davos out of the way because there's a lot of, uh, a lot of Davos news tonight. Uh, our National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, our Secretary of State, Tony Winken-Blinken, they're both uh, in Davos leading the U.S. delegation along with the uh, uh, amazing climate czar, John Kerry. And uh, again, these are all political tools. Sullivan, Blinken, Kerry, they have never accomplished anything in their lives that hasn't been connected with politics. They've never produced anything. They've never had to sign the front of a paycheck. Okay? And for those watching tonight, you know that's a reference to somebody who's actually running a business. Um, They're just political tools, cogs in the political wheel, totally incompetent because they have no real-world experience. Uh, They're over there in Davos openly talking about a new world order. Are you kidding me? And I'm just telling you, and I want to make this very clear, I've done my best, really, for the last couple years now, setting the stage for this November. If God allows the globalists to retain power, that new world order is going to be realized in the United States of America. That's just a fact. That's not fear-mongering. That's fact. Look at, and if you don't believe me, look at the dramatic, drastic, radical changes that have occurred in this country just in the last three years. That's why they are trying desperately to hang on to power. Because they know if they can get this, if they can get this victory in November by hook or crook, you know they're not, It's cheating is certainly not beyond them. They know if they can secure power this November, they, they've got it. And that new world order, you've got you major U.S. representatives over in Davos, Switzerland, right now promoting that will be part of the American landscape. 
Sadly, we will no longer be the United States of America. We will be part of this new world order. Um, the president of the European Commission, okay, she's at the World Economic Forum, of course, the whole Euro, uh, European Union, the European Commission, they're all basically globalists. Her name is Ursula von der Leyen. Ursula von der Leyen. Don't really know much about Ursula von der Leyen other than after watching her speak today in Davos. I have to tell you, she's a clearly an evil woman, okay? And she is saying out loud what we already know. Now, ever since 2016, when Trump upset the Hildebeest, we... Uh, have been fighting a war in this country uh, of censorship. And, of course, that war has continued to intensify. Now, we had a major... Yeah, I don't know if it's a... Yeah, I'll call it a major victory, okay? It's not a great... The greatest victory it could have been, but it's amazing. When Elon Musk pumped $44 billion to take over Twitter, and at least has opened it up so people with competing viewpoints different than the uh, existing regime, the Biden regime, uh, can at least put those thoughts and viewpoints out in the public sphere, okay? Now, all the rest of the major platforms... Uh, Google, Facebook, Instagram, uh, uh, TikTok, uh, all of them. They are all still totally locked down, full censorship. Uh, they will, they will block you. They will take your account away in two seconds if you continue with commentary that is not. Uh, acceptable to them, okay? But Ursula von der Leyen spoke about globalist control over the flow of all information on the internet, okay? And this is their this is their ultimate this is their ultimate dream, their ultimate goal because again, they understand if you can censor opposing viewpoints uh, you can control the masses. Look at, uh, you want a great example? I'll give you a great example. Look at 2020, how they uh, censored all of the uh, truthful commentary about the Hunter Biden laptop. They shut it down. So the only real prevailing commentary that was in the bulk of the ether was the regime narrative that it was Russian disinformation. And we know that that alone changed the election. You can take all the other cheating they did, the Zuckerbox, and put it all to the side. The censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop, that alone would have changed the election. And this is, this is why this is so critical to the globalist uh, agenda. 
Look at what they did with COVID, for goodness sakes. We know now ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. We're, we're, we're actually great treatments for COVID. Yet if you put that out on social media, you know, they would take it down for a while. Then they just ban your account. Anybody who wasn't spewing the company line that the uh, COVID came from a wet market, that uh, the only answer is a vaccine, anybody talking about anything else, they're, they're uh, 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 snake oil salesmen, right? Only God knows how many people needlessly died during COVID because of the censorship. You know, God help you if you told the truth about how masks were absolutely ineffective. You're gone. I mean, all down the line. And, and then once the vaccines came out, oh my goodness. If you said anything negative about the vaccine, you were an anti-vaxxer. You had to be censored and you had to be shut down. So the president of the European Commission, Miss. Ursula von der Leyen, she was very forceful in stating that the globalist control over the flow of all, all of it, not some, all information on the internet is critical to seeing our agenda accomplished. And she's right. Hey, listen, and this is nothing new. Come on. There's, there's no free speech really in Russia. There's no free speech in North Korea. There's no free speech in China. There's never been free speech. And, and, this, is not, and this is nothing new to our age. I mean, Nazi Germany. I mean, they shut it. I mean, all authoritative, uh, authoritative regimes, all dictatorial uh run countries throughout history, they've always censored narratives that weren't approved by the state. So this is nothing new. Um, then you've got basically, now we've been through three days of uh, the WEF so far, the uh, World Economic Forum, the Klaus Schwabies. Uh, and in three days, there's been one reoccurring theme that has continued to run like a thread through all of the various speeches, all the various breakout sessions. And that was the fear and the warning of MAGA and a Trump re-election. Because they understand the global influence a Trump re-election is going to have, uh, again, around the world. It's not just the United States. You know, a Trump re-election will, will send ripples throughout other countries around the world that are fighting this nationalist, globalist battle. So that's, in, in three days, that has been a thread that has pretty much run through everything that's gone on in Davos so far the first three days. And as I told you, uh, I think Monday when the whole thing opened up that uh, there would be 
a specific uh, chunk of time devoted just to the fear of Trump being back in the White House and what and the damage that will do to the globalist agenda. And then you've got the Argentina president, the new Argentina president, Javier Millet. He was actually at the World Economic Forum. Now, he's a nationalist. Like I said earlier, Argentina has been, you know, a traditional, you know, communist, socialist uh, hotbed. Matter of fact, that's where your current pope was born and raised, in that socialist, communist environment. Thus, why he is really not much of a spiritual leader. He's, he's basically a political beast. So, uh, but Malay is a, na- a strong nationalist, and he sat there for 20 minutes. He got booed at times. People, I could t- you could see, were not happy with what he had to say. But he sat there and forcefully rejected socialism, rejected radical feminism, just trashed the environmental crazies and uh, promoted capitalism as the way for people around the world to be lifted up. So uh, that went on. All right, let me, uh, let me talk about Hunter for a second. Now, I, sh- I shared with you the other night that, and this is no shock, but I shared with you the other night how the whole Hunter art situation, which, which we knew was a scam, but we were just lied to. Blatantly lied to. Remember Jin Pisaki talked about how the White House was was going to have a, 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 a iron curtain, an ethical iron curtain that nobody would ever know who bought these paintings. Uh, you know, that there would be no involvement by any of the Biden family that these paintings were going to be sold on the blind. Just absolute lies, because now we know Joe Biden himself, the President of the United States, called this art dealer and basically invited him to the White House. For what? Well, of course, to make sure he's in the know on this whole deal. Hunter Biden demanded to know from this art dealer who the buyers were. We know that because Comer's oversight committee subpoenaed the art dealer and he gave a, a, a under oath deposition last week. And now we find out, and I know this shouldn't shock anybody, normally the way these art things work, and it's all negotiable, but an average fee for the art dealer is about 40%. In other words, they put on the show... You know, they pay for all the, you know, they, they pay for the whole showing. You know, they follow through with all the logistics of, you know, registering the art, getting it shipped to the buyers, you know, getting the money, getting it to the artists, all, all that kind of stuff, right? 
Hunter Biden stiffed the art dealer. Didn't pay the commission. <laughs> and the art dealers now not only didn't get his commission, but he's out probably tens of thousands of dollars that it cost him to put on these showings and to, and to do all the due diligence and shipping it out and everything. Hunter Biden stiffed the art dealer. What a shock. What a shock. And we have more, some more Hunter Biden news. Now, Hunter Biden's lawyers are trying to get his gun charges dropped. If you remember, the first indictment was for the uh, uh, lying on the application. Anybody who's bought a firearm, you know, when you buy a firearm, you have to fill out an application that has to go through uh, the government. And one of the questions are on there is about, you know, are you, uh, you know, a, a drug addict? Are you on drugs or you know, whatever? And Hunter lied because he was in the middle. Of, he, this was in the middle of one of his major periods of addiction. And then, of course, he was at that time having sex with his, I, I guess he was his dead brother then. Started when he was dying, continued after he was dead. Apparently, she found his gun in a glove compartment in a car that was unlocked. And she threw it away in a garbage can. Uh, the gun was recovered by a, a treasure seeker. I guess some guy goes through garbage cans looking for things of value, whatever. Turned it over to the cops. They turned it over to the FBI. Well, the gun was in a, a leather pouch. And, and now the FBI has known this for years. But in that yellow pouch was white powder. And they had the powder in the pouch taken to the FBI lab and, 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 and checked out. And of course, it was cocaine. So as Hunter is making this uh, attempt to get these gun charges dropped, you know, they came up with some kind of creative reason why those charges should be dropped. The prosecution came back and said, well, you know, it, they really don't need to be dropped because in the process of dealing with this, we found a, a white powdery substance that was in the in the uh, leather satchel that the gun was in, and we tested it, and it was cocaine. <laughs> oh, my goodness, goodness, goodness. So um, I assume that that's going to... And, and, you know, keep the judge from even considering dropping these charges. Listen, again, don't don't forget any of this. The reason Hunter's so cocky is he knows at the end of the day, daddy's present, he can issue a pardon, and, it all, and, and everything goes away. So this is all a game to him right now. Because he knows worst case scenario... And, and he, oh, and here's the other lie. I, I'm going to expose this lie before it's it, before it's been proven to be a lie. Corrine Jean-Pierre, the uh, black lesbian immigrant, her words, not mine, um, she always brags about it, um, has been asked numerous times in White House press briefings if Joe Biden will, is going to pardon his son. And she has emphatically, emphatically said, no, he will not pardon his son. That is off the table. He won't do it. Well, we know that's a lie. Everything out of this White House is a lie. 
She sat there today in the press briefing, spewing one lie after another about the border, about the negotiations going on between uh, the the Democrats and Republicans on, on, on the whole border situation. There's not one thing they didn't lie to. Everything out of Joe Biden's mouth is a lie. Nope. Got nothing to do with Trump's... Uh, we know the White House had everything to do with every single legal situation Trump is facing. From the documents, to the January 6th stuff, to the indictment in uh, Fulton County, Georgia, to the New York indictment, every legal issue Trump is fighting... The White House has coordinated every bit of it. Again, pure both. Remember those debates before the election 2020? Trump called Biden out for his taking money from China, taking money from Russia, and Biden laughed and said, we never took money, never, 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 never. All lies. Biden, how many times did he look in the camera? I've never had anything to do with Hunter's business. We know he had everything to do with Hunter's business. There is, listen, there is not one word that comes out of the mouths of anybody affiliated with the Biden administration that isn't a bold-faced lie. Not one word. Not one word. So when he says he's not going to pardon Hunter, okay, Joe. Justin Castro Trudeau, all worried. He's upset. What's he upset about, Bill? He says if Donald Trump wins in November, it's a step back for Canada. No, Castro Trudeau, it's only a step back for globalists like you. Again, for those who watch this program, you know in my previous life, I had businesses up in Canada, Toronto, Montreal, uh, Vancouver, love Canada, very friendly place. Um, you know, it was it was a bit different from the states, but not much. You know, pretty much the same type of freedoms. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, again, they, they they it was a little different, but not much. But boy, have they taken a turn under Trudeau, man! And I got to tell you something. His father was not a bad prime minister. Again, it was a much different time. I get it. But uh, his son, man, he is, I mean, he's a globalist nightmare. And he has, you know, become a tyrant in Canada and turned Canada very, very socialist. So, yeah, I can understand why Castro Trudeau is worried Trump might get in office again. Now, MSNBC, again, they have been pretty much nonstop since Monday, ripping Christians, specifically white male evangelicals, which we are the, you know, the reason for everybody's problems. Um, And they are ripping the fact that evangelicals support Trump. And I keep hearing, well, he's a, you know, he, you know, he's been married three times and he's an adult, he was an adulterer and he's done this and he done. Okay, good. All I know is since he started running for president, he has been 
at least as far as we know. And I'll tell you what, he's the most investigated man in the history of human, human, the human race. He's been above reproach, not just politically, but in his personal life. And again, at the end of the day, you have, if, as, as you get family members, friends maybe ripping you for the fact that you may support Trump, and they start using this, well, how can a Christian support, you know, an evil monster like Trump? Well, number one, he's not an evil monster. Yes, he's lived a very sinful life, okay, in a very public way, okay? The one thing about Donald Trump, his sins have been lived in front of the world for the last 50 years, all right? But here's the bottom line. We're voting for a president, a political leader, not a pastor. We're voting for a president, not a pastor. So when they start with that stuff, and again, with all of the endless investigations into Trump, I'm just telling you, if there was anything going on, especially in his private life, they would they would be throwing that out there like red meat every minute. Um, and that doesn't mean the guy doesn't sin, the guy doesn't make mistakes, the guy hasn't probably makes mistakes every day like we all do. But again, the support, you know, they, well, you know, you worship Trump. No, I worship Jesus. Sorry, no, I do not worship Trump. I, I, I support him because of his policies. And be, especially because of his track record the first four years, and because I know what's at stake for this country if he doesn't win. But no, I don't worship Donald Trump. I only worship one man. His name's Jesus. So that's the kind of nonsense they keep throwing out that, you know, uh, well, the Christians are basically become a Trump cult. Oh, give me a break. Um, and there's open hostility on all of the corporate media platforms to Christianity now. And I'm telling you tonight, and I've warned you about this before, and I've tried to lay the foundation that not only are we hated, and if you didn't believe that, even just in these few, first few years of the Biden administration, look at what they've done to Christians. You've got the FBI with task force going after ca traditional Catholics. And, oh, oh, where is it? There was something I was, uh, I read last night after I, I, I got off the air. Oh, here it is. Do you know the surveillance? Now, I have tried to educate you all along the last three years about the increased surveillance state, right? The federal government, and this is this is illegal, by the way, but they are asking banks, they, they've been asking banks, to search private transactions with terms like MAGA, Trump, Christian, people who have bought religious texts like the Bible. They're building a database of these people. And Christians, yes, we are front and center of that, of that search list. Because I've told you, if the, if the globals take control, just like in 
every authoritative country, Christians will become the number one target. That's why Christians are persecuted the way they are in China. While Russia acts like they've got religious liberties, not really. It's very controlled. In Iran, if you're a Christian, you, you, are, you, you are subject to being thrown in prison, being killed if you're one of those radical Christians. So whenever you get into these dictatorial regimes, the authoritative regimes, Christians are always the top of the list as far as target, uh, target group goes. And that's going to be true here too. That's going to be true here too. And, and, and if you don't believe me, look at the open hostility just in the major media platforms. These are, these are major corporations. CBS, NBC, Comcast, ABC, Disney. Of course, MSNBC, which again is Comcast, CNN. You know, these are major corporate media platforms that are openly hostile to Christians, openly declaring Christians are basically the enemy. We're the radicals that want to, want to, you know, take over the country. We're the, we're those white nationalists that they talk about. We're those, you know, extremists they talk about. Look at how Biden talks about the MAGA extremists. And he knows that a good chunk of MAGA extremists are Christians. He knows that. So, again, I've been trying to set the stage for you for really the last few years that, you know, Christians, you know, as a group, you know, we have a lot riding on this November election too because I'm telling you, uh, persecution like we've never seen uh, is coming if the globalists retain full power. March for Life, the annual March for Life is coming up in D.C. this Friday. Um, that should be good. Uh, the New York the New York Daniel Parrot Penny. Now, Daniel Penny, he's the ex-Marine. He's that hero that was on that subway with the mentally ill man who was threatened to kill people. Put him in the chokehold. Um, the guy ended up dying. That was not the, that was not the motive. And put him in. He was just trying to restrain him till the train got to the station so they could get the authorities to take him away so he didn't hurt anybody. And you've got passengers that were on that car that talked about being in fear of their life and how Daniel Penny was a hero that day. Well, he was in court today for a hearing to dismiss all charges against him. The New York judge conducting the hearing refused to drop the charges, and he will be going to trial sometime this fall. This is disgusting. And you know what else this is? What motivation do you think somebody's going to have if they're on, say, a subway car and you got some whack job that's harassing people, maybe, you know, threatening people, possibly in the process of hurting people? What motivation does somebody have 
to get involved. None. Because if things don't go well, you could end up in prison. And how sick is that? How many, how many times have we watched these scenes where you've got these deranged, mentally ill monsters that should be in asylums, not on the street, physically, violently hurting somebody, and nobody does anything? And we always say, well, why doesn't somebody help that person? I'll give, I'll give you two words why. Daniel Penny. He's looking at 15 years in prison. For what? For stopping a monster from maybe killing people? Disgusting. Really disgusting. Seriously disgusting. CDC. We now learn that they had a draft alert that was supposed to go out to all states and uh, major health organizations early on after the uh, COVID vaccine was released. And the alert was about the uh, potential problems of myocarditis. Hearts. Problem was, that alert was never sent out. The uh, the uh, legal day of reckoning is getting closer and closer. There's already lawsuits going on all around the world on these vaccines, but it's just the beginning trickle. But you got you got Pfizer and J and J and Moderna out there, man. They're pimping those COVID boosters, man. I told you they're going to make as much money as they can until they get shut down. And again, if you're a football fan and you were watching the playoff games this past weekend, probably every fifth commercial was a Pfizer commercial. And they had all these, you know, celebrities, you know, John Legend, you know, that Trump-hating, you know, clown. Uh, Mary, that nasty woman, who is Christy Teigen? Nasty woman. Uh, he was, he was uh, in, in the thing. Who else was there? Oh, Martha Stewart. She was in the commercial. Uh, Travis Kelsey, you know, the tight end for the Chiefs that's, uh, you know, hanging out with Taylor Swift. I think there was somebody else, but I know it was Martha, Kelsey, and John Legend. There, I think there was one other person. But they were all in there basically showing their blue Band-Aid and how they got vaccinated or how they got the booster and stuff. Yeah, Pfizer, man, they're, they're just, you know, myocardist be darned. You know, uh, reproductive problems be darned, blood clotting be darned, all the things we know that are real potential dangers. And again, we've talked about often on this program here and around the world, the increase in death numbers over the last few years. And the, the, the only legitimate answer to those increased death numbers. And again, it was the life insurance companies around the world that tracked this stuff because that's their world, man. And the only the only thing that's happened in the last couple of years to see this spike over the last two years is the global vaccination of COVID. Matter of fact, you had a 49-year-old 
assistant coach of the Golden State Warriors NBA basketball team. He had a heart attack, I think, last night, and he died today. Died. Now, lots of people die of heart attacks. Lots of people have heart problems. I get it. But my guess is, being part of the NBA, you know he was vaxxed. Had to be. And you know he was up to date on boosters. Had to be. And that's why I really admire people like Aaron Rodgers, who you know I'm not a big fan of, but I admire him and a lot of, uh, not a lot, but these pro athletes that refused to be vaccinated. I mean, a couple of top tennis players in the world had to miss tournaments because they refused to take that shot. And how many nights did we sit here? After the, over the first year and a half of the vaccines, talking about you know professional athletes around the world in soccer, rugby, uh, skiers. I mean, I mean the elite athletes of our day. You know who all of a sudden just dropped dead. Power companies around the country have been asking customers to please conserve energy during the recent, you know, cold snap that we had. Now, let me ask you a question. If power companies are having to ask customers to conserve energy just because, you know, we had some low temperatures, which, hey, it is winter, right? What's going to happen if you put, say, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 million electric vehicles out there that need to be charged every day. It's it's insanity. It is absolute insanity. Absolute insanity. Your uh, vice president, uh, Kamala Harris, ex-girlfriend of Willie Brown, which is how she got to be vice president, really, because she was a nobody. It was the power broker of California, Willie Brown, that got her into the you know, attorney general's office in California that eventually led her to the Senate and because of the color of her skin led her to vice presidency. She was on The View today. Can you imagine that? Kamala and those nasty women on The View. And Kamala's scared of Trump. Yeah, he, he's a scary guy. Yeah, I guess he is if, if you're pushing a globalist agenda. China's population plunged to the lowest birth rate in the last 74 years. Now, this is another subject that we've been talking about, you know, for years now, and that's this global... Um, Emergency of low births. We talk. I mean, here in this country. I mean, we. I mean, we've been talking about it as these numbers have been coming out in different countries. But China's population plunged to the lowest birth rate in the last seventy-four years. Uh, oh, <laughs> listen to this one. Biden on day one 
remove the Houthis, the Iran-backed terror organization in Yemen, from the global terror list. Now, Donald Trump put them on the global terror list because they're a global terror group. But don't forget, Obama, who's been running the country, is in love with Iran, and I'm sure under his orders, the Houthis were removed from the global terror list on day one of the Biden regime. Well, now after they've been uh, shooting missiles at our ships, wreaking havoc in that region of the world, we put the Houthis back on the terror list today. It's just unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Uh, oh, you ready? Sorry to do this to you. You ready for a United Airlines update? Now, if you've been watching the program, should be. Don't forget, uh, we have a podcast version of the program. We rip the audio a couple hours after we're off the air each night on Spotify and iTunes. We've got the uh, Live Prayer TV program uh, podcast, uh, audio only. So if you... Uh, if that's a convenient way for you to sometimes pick up the program, that's your option. But United Airlines, if you've been following us, and this started a couple weeks ago when I basically was just asking a question because the government was pushing this DEI, this diversity, equity, inclusion nonsense throughout all the agencies of the federal government. And a couple of weeks ago on the program, I just asked the question. I said, I wonder if this is being uh, promoted at the Department of Transportation. And the reason I picked the Department of Transportation was twofold. Number one, the ultimate affirmative action hire is the Secretary of Transportation, former South Bend, Indiana Mayor P.D. Butt-Edgett. Okay? He's not, he has no qualifications to be the, the, uh, depart, the Secretary of Transportation. He got that position. That was his payoff because in 2020, when they wanted to clear the field for Joe, they had to pay people off to get out. And that was Petey's payoff, Secretary of Transportation. Even though his only qualifications to be Secretary of Transportation for the United States of America was when he was mayor of South Bend, they had one bus. One bus. Totally unqualified. And of course, another reason they put him in there, he checked a lot of boxes. He's a man who chooses to engage in perverted, unnatural, unhealthy sex with men. He's in a fake marriage with a man. You know, they ruined the lives of two little children by adopting two children in their fake marriage because as much as they want to claim men cannot have children without a woman. So he, he, he checked a lot of those DEI boxes. And more specifically, I, will, I, will, I asked the question about is this being pushed in the airline industry? Because, hey, with the thousands and thousands of flights every day, when you get on an airplane, and again, I, I don't fly hardly at all anymore, but 
back in my old life, I was flying six, seven days a week, one, two times a day in many cases. I mean, when you get on that plane, I mean, you pray that the guys in the cockpit or the girl in the cockpit, whatever, are extremely qualified because your life, once you get in that plane and they shut the door and they start taxiing down that runway, your life is literally in their hands. And I asked the question, I wonder how much of this DEI stuff is in the airline industry. Well, it's funny because last weekend, the world's richest man, Elon Musk, was asking the same question. I don't know, maybe he watches the show. But, uh, and we got some pretty scary answers. Uh, last, last weekend, before the Musk question, that hit the uh, hit the, hit the internet. Southwest Airlines had a big ad campaign, and they were promoting their all female flight crew. Well, the funny thing was, once Musk got on Twitter and started this whole conversation about DEI, the airline industry, same thing I was talking about a couple weeks earlier. Uh, Southwest pulled that ad, pulled the ad. And then, of course, we come up with United Airlines. And if you've been watching, the CEO of United Airlines is a guy named Scott Kirby. And yes, he is a big believer in DEI. Matter of fact, his DEI administrator is a mentally ill man who thinks he's a woman. But that shouldn't shock you because on the weekends, CEO of United... Now, listen... United's based in Chicago. And, you know, I spent about 20 years of my previous life living in Chicago. It's, of course, this is back in the 80s. I get it. Not early 90s. But uh, United was like the gold standard of corporations. I mean, professional, buttoned down, just an incredible, uh, incredible company, right? Well, the current CEO, Scott Kirby, not only is his DEI administrator, which means DEI is alive and well united, is a mentally old man who thinks he's a woman, but Scott Kirby on the weekends likes to dress up as a woman and go out in public and drag. And I shared a public service announcement the other night. You know, you got free will, but I wouldn't get near a, a, a United Airlines flight for all the tea in China. And where is the where is the board of directors united? How do they let a freak like Scott Kelly be the CEO? And why are they pushing DEI in this kind of an environment? By the way, you won't be surprised that Kel Kirby had some of the most draconian vax mandates in the entire airline industry. Uh, fortunately for the United uh, employees, the federal courts overturned a lot of those draconian mandates. And surprising, shouldn't be surprising, for a guy who dresses up as a woman, who hires mentally old men who think they're women, uh, he's very hostile to, guess who? Christians! Yep, 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 yep. <sighs> so I can only reiterate my warning. 
your life, but pray if you are planning on taking a United flight. And again, the, the cockpit of an airline, and oh, by the way, don't forget what he, what he also said. He said, too many white men are flying airplanes. That's the CEO of, of United. Listen, when I get on an airplane, I don't care what color they are. I really don't care how they have sex. I care about one thing. Are they the most qualified, experienced, trained person possible that could be flying that plane that day? All that other stuff is garbage. You got the lives of hundreds of people in your hands every time that plane takes off. By the way, New Hampshire's coming up next Tuesday night. 50% of the New Hampshire voters are registered independents. About 25% are registered Republican, 25 or so registered Democrats. About 50% of New Hampshire residents are registered as independents. Because there's no Democratic primary, Joe shut it down, uh, independents can actually vote for who, for, for in the Republican primary. Well, Neocon Nikki is out there actively recruiting independents to come vote for her next Tuesday. Now, these are people that in the general election are mostly all going to vote Democrat. They're not, if, if Nikki was the nominee, which she's not going to be, but if she was, they would never vote for her in the general election. But she's trying to get them to cross over and vote for her in this primary to try to artificially make it look like she's got a lot more support than she does. And of course, that's her master plan to try to see if she can beat Trump next Tuesday. Last I've heard, Trump's up by some 23 points in New Hampshire. So even if she's successful in getting a bunch of these independents to vote for her, um, don't think it's going to work. Now let me hit one more thing real quick before we get out of here. Uh, Biden and AMLO, the president of, of, of Mexico, apparently they've, they've got some kind of a deal going on. Because Biden understands that this whole border, the optics, the 10,000 people streaming across the border in one day is 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 going to kill him in November. So they worked out some kind of deal to temporarily cut back the numbers of illegals invading our country each day to say around four or five thousand to make to keep the optics, you know, at least somewhat acceptable. Okay? None of it's acceptable, but somewhat acceptable. Then you got Senator Langford, Republican from Oklahoma, negotiating with Senate Democrats and negotiating with Mayorkas, and they're talking about amnesty for illegals. I mean, he's out of his mind. Now, whatever deal Biden's cooking with AMLO to try to keep the optics looking better, that deal's temporary. It only lasts through December. Now, why December? Oh, that's right. The election's in November. The big question is, how much did Biden pay? Because you know, all these people know how to do is pay people off for things. 
They love paying people. You know, Trump gets hostages back, doesn't cost us a dime. Got all that deal done with Mexico. Now he did cost us a dime. Mexico had to commit 28,000 troops and all other kinds of things. But Biden, he only knows how to do business one way, cut people checks. God only knows how much he gave AMLO. I know AMLO, a week ago, was asking for $20 billion for some sort of a deal. Did they cave and give him the deal? He also wanted uh, the uh, embargoes on Cuba and Venezuela lifted. Did they do that? He was also asking for amnesty for 10 million illegals. Did he do that? We don't know. But we need to find out also in whatever deal he's cooked with the Mexicans to try to make things not look so bad as we had in the election, nothing in that deal has anything to do with deportations. There are no deportations. They wanted these people in this country. They're not kicking them out, okay? So hopefully I will have more updates on that crazy situation that deal with the devil tomorrow or Friday as we learn because they're again knowing how these people these people just cut check for billions of dollars to everybody to do stuff. That's the only way that's the only way they know that's not negotiating. That's paying. That's not negotiating. All right, getting late. Gotta get out of here. Listen before I do if you've never made a decision for Christ I want to make sure that before we leave tonight, you have that opportunity. I don't want anybody who ever watches this program to be able to uh, stand before God one day when we all take our last breath and stand before God. I don't want one person to ever watch this program, ever, in the going on 21 years now in March, ever, to be able to say, God, nobody ever told me that I could accept Jesus and have my sins forgiven and, and not have to go to hell for eternity. Okay. They may be, people may be able to say that, but nobody that watches this program will ever be able to say it. And if you've never made a decision for Christ and you want to make that commitment now, pray with me. Dear Lord, tonight I come to you confessing my sins, asking, Lord, that you forgive me. I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord, my Savior, and I surrender my life to you tonight. From this moment forward, my life is yours. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. My friend, if you prayed and you meant it, the Bible says you're saved, not because of a few words, because of your faith in God's grace. I have a book I'll send you. Won't cost you anything. Drop me an email, bkellerliveprayer.com. I'll get it out to you if you need prayer.